Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. So what am I going to share with you? Well, you know, I've got enough here for three Sundays, I think. So God's got to do it. Somebody said in faith, Lord, let her just share what we need to hear. <laughs> and I received that from the Lord. And so I just thank you, Father, that I'm going to touch those areas that everybody needs to hear. Okay, so I really want to call this draw near to God. So draw near to God. You see, um, we're not under a whip. We're not under the kosh. We are beloved sons and daughters of the Lord. Amen. And so how will we know what God is saying to us? We draw near to him. Amen. We draw near to him. So that's really profound, isn't it? But God said to me, no complexities. Keep it simple. And guys, I'm simple. So what's good for me? Draw near to God. You know, we we finally moved into the flat that I was buying two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Guys, this has been going on for over a year. The selling of the house, the first attempt at buying a flat, peaceful habitation it was, but it didn't work. And now we got this flat and we had to contend for it. And I, I remember going to the church and it's funny, you, most times I don't remember what I've given as a word to anybody. You know, people say, you remember that word? I don't. You know, it's just like God gives me the word at that time and I give it. And boom, you know. But I remember the very first prayer that I prayed when I went to catch the fire Bournemouth, the church that I'm a part of now. And it was, Lord, we contend for the king and for his kingdom. And guys, I've not forgotten that word because it's become a part of my heart. It's become a rhema word to me. I contend for you, Lord Jesus. I contend for your kingdom. And what, what I found this year was in my getting established down there in, in Bournemouth, and part of, for me, part of that being established was to have my own home again. For, for, it's, it's been a contending process. There have been spirits of contention that have risen up, that have come against me. And guys, I'm not alone in this because I believe that everybody who is doing anything of significance for the kingdom is facing these, these spirits of contention. They, they come against us in relationships. They come against us in the work that we are doing because God has got a purpose for us in our work. And so everything that we are doing, we're suddenly finding these spirits of contention. Guys, we are in Christ Jesus and therefore, we rise up. Now, some days we rise up just like that, instantly. You know? But there are other days where we find that we're not just dealing with a little old demon. You know, we're dealing with the next level up or the next level up. And guys, I just want to share with you that we contend for Christ Jesus and for his kingdom and for his purposes, not only in our lives, but in the lives of our family. And that's Family genetically, family spiritually, like this is our family. That's been said a couple of times today. 
We, we contend for Christ within us. Um, now, I didn't intend to share this, but there was, we did a thing about deliverance down in Bournemouth. Guys, now, I said we did that. I was in the congregation, okay? I had not shared in Christ, um, in the um, family that I'm in down there, uh, Cats of Fire, Bournemouth, because nobody really knows what I, my gifting is or anything, you know. We've got beautiful leaders, beautiful leaders, okay? And, and, and I'm just submitting myself to Jesus and to them. And they are just beautiful, beautiful leaders, okay? And um, so what was I going to share with you that I said I didn't? Yes, so we were talking about deliverance. And you know me and the deliverance, eh? Gung-ho. I remember Deji saying last time that I preached before I left London, he said, that's called share and run. <laughs> because I had shared about being set free from every stronghold and oppression. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> we will not have it. And so um, Adele, who is, uh, I would say that Adele and Dave are um, the leaders of the church down there. Adele had a word about a, um, an octopus. And that she felt that somebody, God had given it to her during the week, and that somebody had this problem with this octopus. Now, I got myself totally confused between an octopus and the other thing that, um, what do we call Like a jellyfish, a jellyfish. Because a jellyfish has only got, you know, biologically, it's much lower than an octopus. An octopus is like mollusk um, family, whereas a jellyfish is down there with the um, sea anemones and stuff, you know. And... Um, and it's interesting, isn't it? I'm going to get distracted. Phylums are each individual. They don't, they adapt to the environment. They don't develop from the one into the other. So don't ever get taken out by wrong philosophies, okay? God created specific phyla, okay? And um, they, don't, they, they don't develop. Monkeys are not going to develop into people, okay? Monkeys are a separate family, okay? We are God's children, he created us for his purposes. Amen. Okay, so just got that settled. <laughs> so now I went and looked up about this octopus and what a controlling thing it is and how it hides. And then it comes up. So I just felt sorry for whoever had been uh, hit by an octopus. I only went and read about it afterwards because I realized God was talking to me about an octopus. And, and guys, you know, what was really interesting to me because I went and spoke to Adele, and she said, I said to her, did anybody come to you? It was about four days later in the midweek meeting. Did anybody come to you about the octopus? And she said, no. And I said, I, I really believe God has given me a word about it. And so as I began to read up about it, I just realized that it was a spirit of control. And, and, and God showed me, I think it was as I was waking, hitting the neck. And I thought, God, you know, to, to hit the neck, you know. And so I began to pray about it. And, and I saw that it was a familiar spirit from the past down the, um, uh, the lineage. And, you know, my boys were coming uh, to see us in August. My boys, they're both in their 40s. And um, so <laughs> I, I felt that the lineage thing, I could cut it off because, remember, I have to take the place of the head of the family now. I could cut it off um, 
But they, they had to be in agreement. I couldn't just pay, pray remote prayers. And so we had a session into the night where I shared it with them. And I said, here's the lineage in the, in the physical. Here's the lineage in the spirit. Now we need to get a hold of this thing and we need to pray. Well, guys, can I declare complete success? I can, I can, I can declare that there has been movement. And I can declare that there has been a lifting of oppression. Do you know what I mean? More thoroughly in some areas than in others. Do you know, do you know what I'm saying, guys? And so it, it is just amazing. And you see, in each of these instances, because I'm way off where I'm supposed to be, um, according to my notes, um, you know, the big thing was draw near to God. See, this same young lady, Adele, at the time where I was saying, Lord, what are you saying to me? Must I not go for this flat? You know, what are you saying? Don't buy a flat, just rent. Why is it taking so long? In the middle of everything, Adele shares a word. And, and in essence, she was saying, draw near to God. You know, I can't give you the whole story of what she said, guys. But I began to take that on board and I began to say, okay, God, I've, I've got to draw near to you. And, and guys, was I far off? I don't think I was. But draw nearer to God. Do you know what I'm saying, guys? Because for all of us here, when, when I shared that word earlier, don't waste this time of praise and worship. You know, I, I, was, I was really just saying the same thing, guys. We all know how to enter in here. I, I, I think there are one or two people that I don't recognize here. But otherwise, I know all of you. I know that you're beautifully born again of the Spirit of God. I know that you, for anybody to be here this morning when the weather was like it was, I know the commitment that there is in your heart. I know that you, but what I want to say to you is draw near to God. So now, one of the things that has really been in my heart is righteousness. And I think the last time I was here, I was also sharing about righteousness. So in the meantime, what's happened? I've read right through, line by line. Because when I'm going into something new, in a new way, I've got to do it thoroughly. So line by line, I've read through all four Gospels. Did I start with Matthew and end with John? No, because that would drive me mad. So I started with the one that God wanted me to read first, because he knew he wanted to speak to me from that Gospel. But line by line, I've gone through it. And, and you know, now um, blue is for healing, Oranges for deliverance in my Bible. So I've got little lines down the side. So, you know. So now I had have a color for righteousness. So I went for yellow. <laughs> so, you know, like, I will show you what Romans 4 looks like. Because you know that every verse in Romans 4 speaks about righteousness. Okay. So, look at Romans 4. It's just yellow. Do you know what I mean? And because in the past, if something was really significant, I would make a little marking. Because this used to be an unmarked Bible. So that I could hear from God every time I read it. Without previous ideas that God had given me or things he had shown me. So it used to be unmarked. Well, we tossed that out the window some time back, you know, and, and except for healing and deliverance. That always had a blue line or an orange line. That's from the days of yore. You know, that's, that's from way back, okay? 
But so now I've had to take little yellow sticky things and put them down the side. That's why it's so thorough. <laughs> so Romans 4, full, because Paul was convincing us of the righteousness of God. You know, that for Abram, he believed God and it was considered to him as righteousness. We had Deji share half the sermon earlier, you know. And, and what you're looking at is that, that Abram had to have resurrection level faith. He had to believe God, that God had said, through your seed, there will be thousands, as many as the stars in the sky and the sand grains on the sea, you see? So that means, God, if you're saying, Abraham, would you offer Isaac? Then God, that means that if you are going to expect me to put the knife across the, um, the sacrificial offering's neck, and the blood get let, that means that once I have done it, you're then going to raise Isaac from the dead. That's the resurrection level faith, you see, that, that, that Abraham exercised when he took that knife. Because we just read these things and we, we don't understand the full impact. But that was the level of faith that Abraham was operating in. You see, resurrection level faith. The resurrection level faith for me when Pete died was that I would believe that God would raise him up off that bed and that he would be restored physically in the same way that he was spiritually. That didn't happen, guys. Okay? So do do you get the meaning of what I'm trying to say to you, see? So resurrection level faith operated by Abram was unbelievable, guys. So, you know, have I failed? because I couldn't see Pete raised from the dead. You know, I know that he's rejoicing before the Father and, the, and, and Lord Jesus at the throne. I know that, guys. I believe Father and Jesus are one. But, you know, I just, I just I rejoice because I can see that kind of thing. So we, we draw near to God. Let me get back to drawing near to God. <laughs> I am touring, aren't I? I am really touring. And, and God is doing something with me, guys, because you know that normally I would stick to my notes and that's what we do and I'd have the things up on the screen and God is not letting that happen these days. So I am just, <laughs> I am just amazed. All right, so back to my four Gospels. So now I've got the, the yellow stickies ready and I'm ready to go for it. And I go through the whole of John and there's like one place, I think, where Jesus speaks of a righteous man. And I think when Jesus was praying in John 17, as well, as recorded in John 17, there's one or two references. That's it. The whole of John. So I thought, okay, okay, okay. Then we go over to Matthew. So at least in Matthew, you know, we get to this point, and I want you to see it, guys, because I'm going for something very specific here. And It's a scripture we all know, Matthew 3, and Jesus goes to John. John's baptizing in in water, and John chapter, uh, sorry, Matthew chapter 3, and um, verse 13, Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, and he goes and he joins the queue of people being baptized in water, and John the Baptist sees him coming, and he says, verse 14, John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? 
And Jesus said to him, permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Which is astounding, guys. Because Jesus was without sin. See, other people were getting baptized in readiness for the coming Messiah. Messiah comes to be baptized. And John says, no, no, that's not what God showed me. And Jesus says to fulfill all righteousness. You see? And, and guys, what I want you to see is that the result of that is verse 17. We know the Holy Spirit descends. Verse 16. But verse 17, a voice came out of heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now that is just astounding, guys, to have God speak from heaven. It happened three times. It happened at water baptism. It happened at the transfiguration. It happened just before the garden of Gethsemane. God said something slightly each, different each time. But I, I, I just found it amazing that God spoke from heaven. In the bit that's recorded in John 12, it says how people said, oh, there was a clap of thunder. No, no, it was God's voice. So how clearly are we listening when we draw near to God? Are we just hearing something in the heavenlies? Or are we hearing something specific that is coming right into our very hearts? See? So last Sunday, we were, we were busy um, uh, having a bit of a party in the Spirit of God. And um, Adele had shared the word, and she had said how God, in the midst of her lounge, um, she was, I can't remember what she was doing, but God had come upon her, and, 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 and as he had come upon her, I think she was drinking coffee or something, she thought, God, you know, in the midst of that, you came upon me in that amazing anointed way? See, we've got to draw near to God. See, we've got to draw near to God. I was standing. I hadn't intended to call this draw near to God. Okay? But I was standing on the platform at Victoria, and I suddenly began to think about drawing near to God and that I was coming. And I was standing on the platform, and the, the train was going to take two minutes, so I was kind of really just thinking about this morning, thinking of what I was sharing and guys, just suddenly the Holy Spirit came on me. And I, I just began to, to stand on that platform. And, I, and when the Holy Spirit comes on me, you get a bit of a sway going, you know. And I just thought, God, if anybody sees me here, they're going to think that, you know. And I opened my eyes. and then, But it was so lovely. I just closed my eyes again and just said, oh, God. So hence the draw near to God this morning, you know. Oh, guys. And last Sunday, you know, um, I was standing at the back. Because there was an opportunity to dance a bit. So I thought, well, you know, I'll just, I need a bit of space because I'm big, you know. So, and I, I, I get a wobble these days. So I can't just go around in a circle, you know. Well, I did there. <laughs> but I was aware that I was going to have to chase my toe a bit, you know. <laughs> so I needed a bit of space. So <laughs> and in the middle of everything, and they had warned us of that, that maybe the children would come out at 12.30 and we weren't ready yet, so they didn't want to stop the service at 12.30, see. So the little ones come, 
Ah, and they've got biscuits that they've decorated on little trays. And, but you know what little ones are like? The grapes were out and the, the raspberries were out and some biscuits were out. So now they're tucking in and it's at the back and, you know, there's all this glory going on and all the rest of it. And, and I was trying to get into it, but I was a bit distracted. I'm not, I've got to be, you know, honest with you. And I, was, and I was dancing a bit, but I was kind of like, and then one of the kids dropped a raspberry. I don't know if it was one or two. The amount of mess, it felt like it was at least five, you know. And now somebody else walks in it, and now there is a mess on the floor. And I just thought, oh, no, God. So, you know, Martha, straight away, off I go and get some towel. And I brought it back. And, God, as I was bending over and cleaning up the mess, the Holy Spirit got me. <laughs> and it was just like, and I continued because I thought, Lord, I'll clean up all the mess if I'm going to have the anointing like that. <laughs> bending over and I got the anointing, you know. And it was just like, yeah. Usually if I bend over like that, I'd be flat in my face. <laughs> and it was just like, the, you know, the beauty of the Lord and his sense of humor and just getting a hold of this old girl and saying, there, have a dose. <laughs> But we're not going to have a dose unless we draw near to him. Amen. Amen. And I want to share with you, we cannot get into religious stuff. And I'm not talking about old-time religion. I'm talking about us, me, you. We cannot get into, like, patterns and paths where we just go off and get distracted. We can't do that. We have got to draw near to him. See, so now I started in Matthew looking for righteousness. And I hit it. Okay, we, we just looked at the first one. Looked at the next one. And that was chapter 5 and verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. So I have been living on that verse for the last two and a half months. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Do you see that that's another way of saying draw near to God? Because you are so determined to find his righteousness. See, because you go through the rest of Matthew and, and the odd person gets mentioned by Jesus because they are righteous. But Jesus does not preach on righteousness. Guys, this is the me- really message that I'm giving you here. He does not preach on righteousness. Why? Because he is righteousness. And everything that he did, everything that he said was a message of righteousness. See? So I just love that. So I began to say, okay, Father, you know, um, I get what's going on. By the time we got into Romans, we really need to understand about righteousness. So Paul gives it to us. Got to have faith. And that faith is going to result in righteousness, you know. But guys, you know, I, I, just, I, I, I said, okay, God, help me, help me, help me here. And, and I want to take you back to Isaiah. I want to take you back to Isaiah. And I want to start with Isaiah and um, 28. And um, I want you to look at a scripture there. Because um, I just found it fascinating. See, I... Um, because I, I've now been through the majority of the New Testament, 
looking for righteousness in the scriptures, line by line, you know. I think, I've, I don't want to say I've done the whole New Testament in case I've missed out one or two verses, you know. But <laughs> just to fulfill all righteousness. <laughs> no, just to be totally honest. So, um, in Isaiah and chapter 28, I want you to come to verse 16, because you know this verse, but you know it from a different place. And in verse 16, Isaiah says, therefore thus says the Lord God, behold, I am lying in Zion, I am laying in Zion, a stone, a tested stone, a costly cornerstone for the foundation, firmly placed. He who believes in it will not be disturbed. Now, you know that scripture from 1 Peter 2 because it's a scripture that's part of the basis upon which Chosen was first established all those years back in 2010, I think it was. And, and we, you know, we said we are a chosen people. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. You see, that's what God said to me. We have got to go back to the cornerstone. We have got to go back to Jesus. We have got to draw near to him. And, and guys, I, I found it fascinating. Now, I've shared the beginnings of this with you before because that's what God, God is doing in my heart. And that is that when we are looking at the cornerstone, then we find Jesus the Messiah. We find Jesus the Savior. If we find Jesus the Messiah, we find Jesus the Anointed One. If we find Jesus the Savior, we find Jesus the Lamb of God. We might find Jesus, the prophet, the great prophet that Israel was looking for. They, they, when, when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, they said, is this not the great prophet? See, they were looking for the fulfillment in Messiah of the roles that had been spoken of in the Old Testament. Now, you know, sometimes people say, why do you look at the Old Testament? Because it's the richness for the New Testament, guys. So I don't camp there, but I go there. Okay? And, and this thing that I, I know I am wanting to say to you is that when Jesus was here upon the earth, he did not have the New Testament. He is the New Testament. Okay? And, and the whole New Testament is written because of Jesus' life here upon the earth. So what did Lord Jesus have? He had the Old Testament. He had the scriptures. Does that mean that we go back and camp there? No, but we go back and see what Jesus found that was of such incredible significance that his life has changed the entire world and turned us all around. You see? So, you know, when I, when I first got going, I thought, oh, Lord, this is just the most wonderful way. And I, I ended up thinking we could do the whole sermon from Isaiah. You know, because it's Jesus going back and finding his significance. And so another key that I've got, and I think I've shared this with you before, is all the way through the New Testament, whenever, well, through the four Gospels. Whenever the life of Jesus fulfills a Messianic prophecy, I put a big M in the margin. So that hasn't got a color scheme. That's just a big M. But in Isaiah... Because it's the resurrection and the life that Jesus represents, 
Then all the way through Isaiah, I've got M's in the margin that match the M's in the four Gospels, especially Matthew. And now they're green for resurrection life. You see? <laughs> because it's because I'm a graphic reasoner. So I have to have things that help me to see the word made real to me, to my heart. And what I'm encouraging you to do is not turn your Bible into a rainbow like I have, but I'm just saying, what is it that works for you? You might be a verbal reasoner. What is it going to be for you? But unless we get the scriptures and make them real to us so that the Holy Spirit can move through our hearts and touch us, and cause us to just be totally overwhelmed by his presence and his nearness, we're not going to be the same richness that we could be. Amen. So I want to encourage you to draw near to God. I want to encourage you to seek after righteousness. You know, one of the things I rejoice about the most is that in this new flat, the walls are thick. And so um, we, don't, we only have a neighbor on the one side. And, and then I've got a neighbor above and a neighbor below. You know? But I can listen to music properly again. I don't mean I'm going to blast the whole block of flats, guys. I just mean I'm going to be able to listen to music. Because we had a, a quarrelsome neighbor in London where the moment anything was above like about you know, five out of ten, she wanted to call the police you know, because we were making too much noise. And... Um, so it's, it's just a great shame because, in effect, um, you know, the, uh, there's a sadness there. And I still pray for her to uh, come through, you know, and to, to come out of that. Because it's anxiety that's at the seat of that. Okay. But I just rejoice because it means that we can draw near to God in that flat of ours. You can get the music going. Yeah. Still got Lucy's CD in the in the car. <laughs> and then I blast it out. And then sometimes you get to a, a traffic light and you think, uh-oh, people are looking at you. Turn it down. <laughs> you know, but we need that, guys. We need fine places. You know, where are the places where you can draw near to God? Where, where are the, um, the, the places where you have the freedom to worship? Where are the places where you have the freedom for God to bring the word and to make it real in your heart? You know? So we've got choices to make. We really have got choices um, to make. Amen. But to draw near to God is what we all want. It's what you guys do. But we've got to position ourselves so that we can actually be in a place where we can feel his presence. Now, some people will say, you're going spooky. No. We want to feel his presence. We want to feel his nearness. One of the things that I, came, that I saw come out of that whole situation of praying with my sons and in terms of the um, familiar spirit and the, um, the octopus thing, you know, I don't want to call it an octopus spirit because people get the wrong idea altogether, but through it, I saw that it was a massive spirit of control and that um, it was something that we had a break over the, over the, fa- the family line. Um, and so we had to work it because um, I had to make sure that something 
that had come down Pete's line, that it was closed, that that loophole, that that opening, that that foothold, whatever you want to call it, that it was cut off, severed from the family line, because we now have a little gener- we have a generation of four little girls that are Paul's daughters, and we don't want them to be affected by that spirit of control. And so we had to make sure that those things were cut. Anyway, um, my older son, and I know that he won't mind me sharing this, but he had a, I expected the next day to be glory, hallelujah, and instead there was an overspill where the enemy was really giving him a go and trying to prevent him from knowing the fullness of the freedom that had come. And then he was with some friends of his um, in Portsmouth, and um, this dear lass who's had a huge um, sort of, uh, you know, she had a, an aneurysm in the brain and she could have died. And I'd forgotten that um, Andrew prayed, uh, Andrew phoned Brad and said, how are things going at the time that she was in, um, going into the theater and they gave the phone to me and I prayed with them. I'd forgotten that. You see, I always forget things, you know, and, and, but that boy has not forgotten that. So he was prepared to come and bring his family and have lunch with us and uh, when Andrew was visiting us, which was great. But now Andrew had gone over to them, and he said, Mom, and I knew that this dear lass had been a, a beautiful um, born-again believer um, before the stroke. And now um, I was really sad to hear Andrew say, something happened, and she said, Oh, praise the universe. And Andrew said, like, say her name was Dora, okay? Dora, you don't praise the universe. You praise the Lord. The only reason I know about that is because he shared it with me. And in sharing it with me, he said, you know, Mom, as I said, we praise the Lord. He said, I just felt God come all over me. And that was the anointing, guys. You see, and it was just like I felt, God, you were just giving that boy that understanding that there'd been a freedom and a liberty that had come. Look at the time. Can I just have 10 more minutes? Okay. Because I want to share this with you. That I, I said, okay, God, we are followers of your precious son, Jesus. Everything he said and did we just love and honor and expect and, 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 and we just draw it close to us and, and, and our expectation of the Lord Jesus Christ is just huge. And he loves that, guys. He loves it when it's huge, you know. Just loves it. And you know what I feel like? I feel like I'm going back to basics. Yesterday when I was running, I was shouting out, Look, I'm careful because I don't want I don't want people to be offended. They think that you've gone to Lally, you know. But I just I, I just I was running along and just shouting out my praise. And and when I wanted to pray about this morning, um, I was praying out loud and just saying, "Father, thank you," you know. And it, I just loved it, guys, and, and praying in the spirit as I was running, and like liberty and freedom in everything we do, guys. And that's what we need a dose of. Because we get so bogged down with routine, you know? And, and, and God's, we've got to cut across that. Because when we're in routine, we don't hear from God. We have got to open the ways so that 
We are out of routine and available to hear what God is saying. And so with this whole thing about righteousness and my absolute amazement that righteousness did not fulfill the teachings of Jesus when he spoke, you know, and I began to say, why? Because you know me, I always say, if there's something hard, ask God why. And so I was asking, God, why? How come you didn't preach righteousness, Jesus? And I I felt like he was saying, see what I did? See what I shared? You know? That is me. I am righteousness. And I got so excited. And I, Father, I just I just feel as if I'm not sharing this as effectively as I could. So let me just say this for the next five minutes now. I began to say, okay, Father, how did Jesus understand what his mission was? If he was righteousness and everything he did in his life was shining forth the righteousness of God, then where did he get it from? And that was where the Lord just showed me how many times Lord Jesus was in the presence of the Father, drawing near to his Father. And how many times he was actually going back to the scriptures. And then I began to get this amazing thing. And I started with, because now I'm just going to share it with you. I haven't got time to share each individual scripture with you, which I would have loved to have done. But I thought, okay, when when he was a boy, So now I'm talking Luke chapter 2. So maybe I can give you the scripture and it can be up on the screen while I talk. So Luke chapter 2 verse 46, you know, where they had gone up to Jerusalem and he was 12. And that was like the time where he would have had his like equivalent of bar mitzvah is what we would say now, you know. And and being apprenticed to his father. And, And we know the thing that Mary and Joseph don't know where he is. But guys, he was... He was just, he was um, astounding the Pharisees and the lawyers. Remember, lawyers were lawyers of the word when it talks about lawyers in the, in the, the, the Gospels. And, and he, was, he was astounding them as a, as a 12-year-old because of what he knew about the scriptures. And you see, there was the love for the scriptures and the drawing near. And I thought, God, as that young boy was drawing near, he didn't know he was Messiah at that time. But he was beginning to get the understanding of who, is, of who God was. And you see, I would have said to you, except that I read this scripture so carefully, I would have said to you, is it up on the screen? Okay. They saw him. They were astonished. Why is that, have you done this to us? If you go back one or two verses, it's, it says, we're amazed at his understanding and his answers. Um, sitting in the midst of teachers, right? No, no, it's the next verse. Sorry, um, verse 48, yeah, yeah, it's verse 48, so there's 47, that's right, so it's 49, it's 49, and he said to them, how is it that you sought me, knew you not that I must be in my father's house, at 12 years old, he was already speaking of God as his father, guys, the religious people of that day did not relate to God as father, they related to him as Yahweh and as Elohim, But here is this young man who so hungered after righteousness that God was giving him new revelation. And this is where I want to encourage you. 
And you know what I've said before. I mean, so I've said this to Lucy specifically. And, and I might not have said it to the others because I haven't listened to the words as clearly. Deborah and... Um, Jenny, I know that I haven't listened to the words as Jennifer as, 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 as clearly. But something that has blessed me about Lucy's songs is that she goes to the word and she finds, you see what comes through. Now, that the clarity of the understanding of the scriptures coming through the song is unbelievable. And the other person that I've seen do that is Martin. And I can't remember his surname now. Delirious Martin. You know, Smith. Martin Smith. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. I now realize what you're saying. Martin Smith. You know, over the mountains and the hills. My Savior's love for me. See, why does music take off like that? Because it is grounded in revelation. Yeah, okay. It's grounded in revelation that has come to these individual creative writers, guys. We're not just putting words together. It's something that has come into our hearts from Lord Holy Spirit showing us, reminding us of what Jesus said and did here upon the earth. Amen. You know, and and the confusion that could have come. I mean, the, the religious leaders were confused, but Jesus got it sorted. Yes. He was born in Bethlehem. You know, why? Because he's of the tribe of Judah. But he was from Nazareth, because that's where his mom and dad were living. And out of Egypt I have called my son. Yes, that's a scripture from Hosea. It's a prophecy from Hosea. And why? Because for two years, Mary and Joseph hid him down there, because Herod was after all the boys, because he knew that there was somewhere there was a king of of the Jews that was going to come up and, and, and push him over. The silly man, he could carry on with his regal robes and all the rest. Jesus wasn't interested in that. Robes that Jesus is interested in are the heavenly robes, guys. You know? And, and you know, then I'm going to take one, take you to one that's, that's uh, familiar to you. Let's, let's go to um, chapter, because I want you guys to sing. Go chapter 61. We're used to reading it in Luke 4. But see, Jesus picked up those those roles of um, the scriptures, and there it was. Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. And, and, and there's another beautiful one in uh, Isaiah 50. If you go back a few scriptures, a few pages, sorry, um, verse four, the Lord has given me the tongue of the disciples. Whose disciple was Jesus? He was the disciple of father. Okay, and, and, and he loved that. He enjoyed that. He wasn't off the titles. Well, we know that. We know that. But I'm saying that to you because we are not after titles, guys. Do not be after titles. Amen? We're servants of God. We're sons of God. We're daughters of God. We're daughters of Zion. Oh, there's that beautiful one at the end of Isaiah 49, verses 24 to 26. Can the prey be taken from the mighty man or the captives of a tyrant be rescued? Thus says the Lord, the captives of the mighty man will be taken away. The prey of a tyrant will be rescued. It doesn't matter how bad that oppression is. Remember the testimony that we heard from Ao earlier. 
doesn't matter how badly oppressed a person is. They do not have to go into suicide. God will rescue them. God has the power to undo everything that the enemy has wrapped around them. God, God will deliver them. And Jesus saw that. And when, he, when his faith was to set the captives free, and they said to him, you're just the prince of demons. You're the prince of Beelzebub. And you're casting out demons by the spirit of demons. <laughs> Jesus said, no, guys, you're being crazy. It was like um, Abram saying, if I have to kill Isaac, it's, it's, it's okay. It wasn't really okay. But I know that the resurrection spirit of God will raise him from the dead. It was the same thing here. Jesus saying, I'm, I am God's son and I set people free by the finger of God. And the finger of God is upon the oppressed to set them free. Isn't that precious? Amen. I just, I just joy in it, guys. So we've got to go to the end of Isaiah 60. I think I've, I've got to stop. So the end of Isaiah 60 says this, 61, I mean. And this is still that same chapter, 61, the Spirit of God is upon me. He's anointed me to set me. Okay. Look at verse 10. I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will exalt in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with a garland and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. See, that's what Jesus is looking at us and he's saying, you know, here is my bride. And he's clothed us with garments of salvation. He's clothed us with robes of righteousness. And when we were in intercession this morning, I was trying to sing that song, you know. I will rejoice greatly in my God. My soul shall exalt in my King. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has given me the robe of righteousness. I will rejoice greatly in my God. Amen. Amen. And you see, guys, I'll tell you what, that's an oldie. It's an oldie, but why can I still sing it, sort of? Because <laughs> I believe it was birthed with a rhema word. Amen. So when we have rhema words birthed within us, as we draw near to God, we begin to spiral in the spirit, and we begin to rejoice in our God, and the enemy can't stand it. Because he knows that when we are rejoicing in the revelation of who our Christ is, that we are unstoppable in the spirit, guys. Amen. And that's what we're taking into London. And me and down there in the south coast. We're taking that spirit of joy, that spirit of... You know, I can't resist it. The resurrection. The resurrection. There is so little in the Old Testament about the resurrection. There is so little. So what did Jesus base the fact on? He knew what Isaiah, end of Isaiah 52 and Isaiah 53 said, that he was going to have to be the sacrificial lamb of God. Isaiah 52 at the end of that chapter says his appearance would be so marred that it would be marred beyond that of a man. And then it goes into Isaiah, 
the specific details in Isaiah 53. And he knew what it said in Psalm 22 about how his bones would be out of joint, you know, because that was exactly what um, the crucifixion was going to do to him. He knew that. That's why in Luke 22, it says Jesus prayed and said, Father, can this cup be taken away from me? No, but I will drink it right down to the very dregs. Because the love for my brethren is such that I want to bring them out of the pit of darkness and transform them and transfer them into the kingdom of your light, O Father. Oh, isn't God good? Eh? Isn't God so good? So the resurrection, all right, and then I'll finish, I promise. But the resurrection, there was Psalm 16. You will not allow your holy one to undergo decay. I think it's Psalm 16 and verses 9 or 10. Psalm 16, verse 10. And in Daniel 12, verse 2, it spoke about the resurrection of the righteous. There's a resurrection of the unrighteous as well, guys. But they go to the lake of fire. But the resurrection of the righteous raised up. And then there was the instance with Isaac and Abram exercising resurrection faith. And on that basis, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said, Lord, I accept your will and I will go to the cross because I know that you will raise me from the dead. How do we know that he knew that? Because when he was addressing the Pharisees, they said, give us a sign, give us a sign. And he said, you always look for a sign. Where's that? That is in Matthew. And Matthew, Matthew, Matthew. Matthew 12 and verse 38. Give us a sign, give us a sign. And Jesus said, the only sign that you're going to have is the sign of Jonah. And Jonah was in the, the belly of the whale for three days and three nights. And it goes on and it says that then as a result, they would, um, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Guys, those must have been the longest three days and three nights. Except that Jesus was seeing the purposes of his Father fulfilled because he was preaching to those who had chosen to go the unrighteous way and explaining to them why they were not in Abraham's bosom and explaining to them why they could not go into heavenly places and be joined with the Father. Okay. So I'm going to finish with this. What is the purposes of God for our lives? Guys, it says it clearly in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, where Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. Now go in my name and make disciples. See, I know this is a church that says, you know, vision, destiny, and I'm, I'm not undermining that in any way, but I want to say that your destiny, your purposes in life are not going to be outside of that, that command because it's a command from the Lord. Go in my name and make disciples. Yep. Mark expands it a little bit in chapter 16 and verse 9. And he says, go in my name and cast out demons, heal the sick. So it's just like extra. And if I don't stop now, you're never going to believe me about being short-winded ever again. (laughs) 
We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 12.30.